With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Warriors Off Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Warriors beat writer, Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by sports columnist Bruce Jenkins to break down DeMarcus Cousins' introductory press conference. So the day we've all been waiting for finally came today. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins' introductory press conference. It's been two-plus weeks since news surfaced that the Warriors were signing him to the mid-level of $5.3 million. Um, and he's finally, you know, was in Oakland, was at the practice facility making his formal introduction. Bruce, you were there today. What what was your big takeaway from, from the presser? Well, you know, nothing in particular came out of it, nothing really dramatic. I thought it was interesting that he said he plans to come back not just in good shape but better than ever. You know, he's pretty confident about the way his rehab is going. Uh, I think to expect him to play in January is probably pretty realistic, although you know, we don't know for sure. But, you know, he threw some lighthearted moments in there, which I think people kind of wanted to see. He's he's generally not a terribly, uh, you know, funny, engaging guy. He's kind of quiet and kind of naturally skeptical. But he got off a couple of good lines. Um, somebody asked him if he, if he and Duran and uh, and Draymond should just get in a big brawl now and get it over with. And he goes, yeah, I might as well. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you could tell. Obviously, he was joking. He had some funny lines about Clay Thompson for being uh, for such a dull guy. There's never a dull moment, and and yeah, it was kind of dramatic to see him standing there with that number zero jersey, actually looking at the jersey that he's going to wear and realizing that the Warriors are going to have five All Stars on the court at some point. And if he's uh, the Demarcus Cousins of old, it's going to be pretty uh, pretty formidable. Yeah, I think that was the weirdest thing for me. Is you know there's so much talk about something like this when, when the news breaks, but it doesn't really feel real until you actually see him on a stage holding his new Jersey. You know, even when they announced that they had a form they had formally signed him, it still didn't feel completely real. Um, I, I definitely found myself a couple times during that press conference, kind of letting my mom, my mind wander and thinking, I'm actually going to cover this guy this season. Like this guy is going to be on the same team as Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson and Draymond Green. That's insane. Um, but there's a lot of reasons why this is happening. Um, I'm sure anyone listening to this podcast kind of knows the basic backstory. Uh, he had an Achilles, serious Achilles injury in January, and according to him, had no offers on the table in free agency. There's some dispute whether or not New Orleans had an offer, but he says there was no offer. So he actually called Bob Myers. And, and said, hey, can I sign for the mid-level? And, of course, you're not going to tell a four-time All-Star, arguably the most skilled big man in the league, that he can't sign for $5.3 million. Um, so just another example of how far the Warriors have come. This is a team that not that long ago was struggling to get free agents, and now they're having guys like DeMarcus Cousins, 
call and ask for contracts. Um, but I, I personally think it's an ideal situation for both teams. Um, for one thing, DeMarcus, it, it, he can rehab not only his body and have plenty of time to come back from that injury because there's, there's going to be no pressure for him to return quickly given what the Warriors have available, but he also can uh, resuscitate his image. You know, he, he can prove that he can be on a winning team, that he can he can play a role, that he can swallow his ego a little bit, and he can be a winner. This is the probably the most talented player in the league that's never played in a playoff game. He's been in the league nine years and has never played in the playoffs, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. You have to keep in mind that seven of those seasons were with the Sacramento Kings, um, but the the Pelicans actually played better without him. Um, you know, when he got injured, they played better and then made the second round of the playoffs. So I think there's a little bit of a chip on his shoulder because of that. Um, what do you? What, why do you think this this marriage could work? Well, I think what you said about the timing is that it's it's such a relaxed uh, situation for both. Um, you know, he's not going to be rushed in. I think it'd be it'd be almost uh, it'd be kind of bizarre if he were just going to be the starting center, you know, from training camp on. It's just like, oh, it's just it's just such a jolt. I mean, this way, even though he won't be running at full speed in practice, he'll be able to run through the sets, you know, where they expect him to be on the floor at certain times. You know, they'll be dumping the ball into the in the low post to him at some point. He can just work on these things. There's no way he could simulate being in a fast break with the Warriors. And I think that's, you know, as we look ahead, maybe a little too early, but, you know, they, there are times when they're coming down the floor four or five times in a row and Clay or Steph's just casting off or Draymond is casting off or, or Iguodala. And it, the ball might not even find Cousins. And he's not been known to get back on defense necessarily on a consistent basis anyway. Uh, and will he get frustrated just running up and down for no apparent reason in his mind? But, you know, he's got to realize who he's playing with. I, I don't think he has – right now, I, I don't see him having any problem deferring to anybody at any time because, you know, he knows who he is. They know who he is. He's going to have an unbelievable impact. And um, it's, you know, it's just a great thing that they, uh, they can do this on their own time. Assuming that he's not out until, like, the playoffs start, that would be very awkward. But if he comes back with a month left in the regular season, that would be ideal They'll get a good shot at him, see what see what he's looking like, and then when the playoffs start, they'll know what they've got and how to use him. Yeah, and I think and you wrote about this today, but one thing that is is very important is the biggest issue the Warriors had last season was their own complacency. They were their own biggest opponent a lot of times. You know, they just when you're chasing something for the fourth straight year, there's just a natural inclination to lose focus. And I think one one of the biggest reasons they had that issue last year is they pretty much brought back the entire same team from the previous season. There was nothing new. The previous season, you had you had Kevin Durant, and he was a new factor that made things a lot more interesting, a lot more exciting for all the returning players. But last season, you know, your new players were Jordan Bell, Omri Caspi, Nick Young, you know, guys who are fringe rotation players at best. So I think to have a new piece like this that is an all-star caliber player just makes the whole season a lot more interesting. And even when he's not playing you know even when he's still rehabbing from his injury early in the season just knowing that he's gonna come back is gonna make 
players that much more enthused, you know, knowing that he's around, that he's a part of their team. And then when he does come back, when it really matters toward the end of the regular season, you know, they're going to be more apt to take their game to another level um, and even be more dialed in because they want to make sure he's on the same page as them. And that'll make them even more ready for the postseason. So I think that beyond all the X's and O's, we could we could talk for hours about how he fits into their system, how he's going to work in their dynamics. But I think that might be the biggest gift that he brings. Yeah, I, I think it's really going to be interesting for the players to have this sort of challenge. I, I would imagine Curry and, and Draymond and the boys would even welcome, you know, seeing the, the darker side of Cousins, you know, in the in the locker room, and then because that's going to happen. And you know how how are we going to deal with that? We we're pretty sure we can we can you know keep this guy to where he's into it and he's not disappointed. You know we can we can diffuse um, you know maybe a nasty situation with a joke or two. And of course, winning you know always takes care of a lot of that. This poor guy's been on losing teams so often, and no wonder he's surly a lot of the time. But but I, I just think, and like you say, it's you know guys can get complacent. We saw that. I don't think they ever flat out admitted they were bored, but they talked about being, you know, having a little lack of motivation. I think the atmosphere in Oracle wasn't quite as nutty as it had been before because people just, here they are again, here are these same guys, all right, Nick Young, whatever, but, you know, these, they're going to win again, and can we get to the playoffs? You know, and now uh, they've got a whole a brand new element to incorporate, and, you know, it's going to be really quite different on both ends of the floor with this guy on the team, all in a good way, you would think. But it's it's very stimulating, you know, because uh, they've got the best <laughs> they've got the best offense, and when they set their mind to it, the best defense in the league all, also. And they get to add this guy to it and refine it in different spots on the floor. And I just think that's going to be very stimulating for a team that could use a little of that. Yeah, just some some uh, full disclosure. Uh, right before we walked in here, I was having a back and forth with a copy editor about my story for today we were debating whether or not i should include the word stiffs and in, in referencing all the previous centers the wars have had in recent years i said stiffs role players and rookies um and you know you can make the argument that that's not necessarily fair to the zaza patrullies of the world but the bottom line is that he is a major upgrade i mean the big weak point on this team for the past couple of years has been the center position. They've been able to hodgepodge it together, you know, with glue and duct tape and, you know, have a decent rotation that's, that's worked enough. But when it really came to the games that matter, you saw them leaning on, you know, Andre Guadalla and Draymond Green and those guys, the, the quote unquote Hamptons five, if you want to call them, uh, when it really mattered because they didn't have confidence in their big men. JaVale McGee played his role at times, David West did as well, but he was obviously over the hill. Zaza Pachulia, you know, was a good screen setter, but didn't really provide much oomph beyond that. Um, and then Damian, Damian Jones, obviously, is still a project, and Jordan Bell and Kevon Looney are still young. So, you know, that was the big weakness. And if you and it goes beyond this period of success. You know much better than I do that – they have struggled for decades to have an elite big man. I can't even think – I can't name an elite big man that the Warriors have had in the modern era. Well, it goes back to Robert Parrish in the late 70s. You know, he was a, he was young, and he obviously had a ton of talent. Uh, remember, he, I didn't think he had very good hands early on, but you could tell he was a guy you could dump the ball into, and, of course, he went on to great things with the Celtics and – and, uh, you know, that whole exchange yielded Joe Barry Carroll, who was a pretty good center, too. But, 
he he didn't have he didn't have the motivation. He he was he was kind of a slug, you know, and he was not well remembered by the fans. And after that, I'm t- so we're talking about the late '70s now. This is the first time since the late '70s. That's a long time ago. Um, but I just remember, you know, the run TMC teams with uh, with Mullen and Richmond and and Tim Hardaway, and you're thinking, man, this team could go. And then you're looking at like Alton Lister, you know, at center. And how far are they really going to go against Tim Duncan, right? And they never really did. They'd pull a few surprises. but And then you're talking about Andres Biedrens at the free throw line. Doesn't get any more depressing than that. And Eric Dampier. I mean, it's just it's a, it's a hideous list, Connor. It really is. And, and uh, even, even if you were to say, uh, you know, we're going to – we're going to build our team around you know, around uh, JaVale McGee and Zaza Pachulia, maybe a little David West and a rookie at center. You'd go, what? You know. Yeah. So, yeah, you're talking about, what did you call them, stiffs, rookies, and, yes. and role players. Yeah, it's kind of true, you know. I mean, God bless Zaza Pachulia when he's back home in, in uh, Georgia, not, not Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> he's going to be a god. He's a starting center on a championship team, but we, we know a little bit better out here, but... Uh, it's radical. It's a radical change. And again, I think the players, they, they can't believe their good fortune here. They are, they've got two, three rings you know, a piece, and all of a sudden here comes this guy, and they are truly going to be a complete team like, like uh, the Lakers were with Magic and Byron Scott and outside and Worthy and inside to Kareem and the Celtics with Russell and Wilt, Wilt in the middle with Hal Greer and Billy Cunningham. You, you talk about you know, Willis Reed and Walt Frazier, the inside and the out. That's, uh, those were the really great complete teams, and the Warriors have a chance to be that now. Someone who I think is going to be really key in, in uh, DeMarcus Cousins' ability to acclimate not only to – the system, but to the locker room culture is Draymond Green. Um, I think they're very similar in a lot of ways. They're both very competitive. Um, they're they're kind of goofballs at heart, but um, they they've gotten this far because they have this ruggedness to them and they have this tenacity and this drive. And um, but the difference between them is that Draymond has figured out how to channel his his bravado in a way that is positive for his team. Now, yes, he still gets a bunch of technicals, but at the end of the day, he's the emotional leader of this team, and that's maybe the, the biggest asset that he provides the Warriors, whereas DeMarcus has never been able to figure out how to channel his his emotions in a, in a positive way. He He's so temperamental and moody and uh, I think a lot of that has to do with he, the fact that he was really frustrated in Sacramento. There were ob- there was obviously a lot of turmoil and disorganization going on there, and I just think he wasn't able to handle all that. So I think it will be easier when he's in a situation that's a winning culture, and um, he doesn't have the burden that comes with being the guy, but. You know, I do think he's going to need to work on just fighting against his instincts a little bit and and not throwing those temper tantrums when when he has in the past. I think Draymond's going to be able to help him with that because they already have a really good relationship with their time with Team USA. And Draymond, I think, understands DeMarcus in a way that maybe other players don't. So I see that relationship being key. Yeah, you know, we've seen Draymond uh, mature a little bit each year, you know, going from a over-the-top hothead to a guy who got himself suspended right out of a finals game. And, and, you know, last year, 
those technicals were starting to creep up, but he said, you know, to himself, that's going to be it. And that was it. He didn't reach that limit where he got suspended because he just, he just knew better. And now I think, you know, I th- he's going to be a bit of a mentor, I think, to Cousins in the emotional category. And that's, that's going to be interesting because we've never – he's always been a guy to get in somebody's face. Like, you know, you weren't where you were supposed to be or you got to get back or whatever. But, you know, with Cousins, it's, it's, sometimes it's about the refs. And it, it's interesting because that's, that's gotten Draymond in so much trouble. But I think maybe having the two of them there – uh, and and cousins can be even more over the top than than Draymond because he has been tended to sulk and and just lose it, just lose his focus and not be of much use, and that can't happen. And so Draymond, I think there's, he's going to have a lot of time where he's trying to straight straighten out to Marcus Cousins and maybe think a little too, a little bit to himself of what he's actually doing here and how beneficial that is, and maybe in the process uh, get a few less technicals himself. Either that, or they both get tossed out of every game in the first quarter. Yeah, no, it'll be interesting. I mean, think about it. Last year, I think the two, the three guys with the most technicals were Draymond, KD, and DeMarcus. And now you have all three of those guys on the same team. So it's just how can they manage that so it's not detrimental. I actually think that the timeline of of Cousins coming later in the regular season is positive from that standpoint. You know, he's he, you can only get so many tees in a couple months. Um, so uh, it'll be interesting. Obviously, the big question mark here is, does he return at least close to 100% from this Achilles injury? This injury has been known to ruin careers in the past. You know, I, I've heard stats where less than 50% of players are productive coming off this, coming back from this injury. DeMarcus talked today about how he's had conversations with several players who have come back from this. Rudy Gay, Dominique Wilkins, Kobe Bryant, Wesley Matthews, Jonas Drebko, his new teammate with the Warriors. Um, So it'll be interesting to see if – I don't expect him to be 100% at least this season, but if he can at least be 75%, that is such an epic upgrade over what they had before. I mean, if he was 40% of what his abilities are, he would be a great a great uh a great deal at 5.3 million dollars. But I'm just curious to see how close to 100% he is. Do you do you do you see him having a pretty smooth rehab process or do you could you see it being more of an issue than people want to think right now? Well, I, I can't speak for his work ethic, and he admitted today how brutal it is to go through this every single day. Sounds like he's doing it. You know, just to sit, watch him walk without any apparent discomfort is, is great, remembering it, the sight of him being carried off the floor when he got hurt. Um, but it's just going to be, I don't know, it's, it's going to be interesting. I, I think, I think what could come of this, even if he's not running full speed, is that when they're in a half-court set, and let's face it, a lot of, you know, tons of big playoff possessions come down to that. And we saw the Warriors not win in 2016 because they couldn't get it done in the half-court set. And now, I mean, with the option of dumping the ball into Cousins, who, who can drive like crazy, who can score with either hand, who can bully people, who can get his own rebound, score, you know, t- he's a 20-plus scorer, or, and then kick it out, who, who are you going to double-team? And Curry and Clay and Durant, they're going to be feasting. And the half-court offense, that in itself, which Cousins may not, may not have to be in tip-top shape for, 
I think that's going to be what really destroys the opposition, and I think that can happen this year. Now, in terms of Cousins fitting into like an all-out run-up-and-down-the-floor style that the Warriors also have in their arsenal, that, that's hard to imagine. It really is, especially this year. Um, maybe, maybe every year if he doesn't get back on defense, but I'll tell you, in that half-court set, nobody's going to have an answer to that. I mean, the, the reason the Warriors are impossible to defend is because you can't take away four guys. You know, you, you take away one guy and then three other all-stars are open. You really can't take away five guys. <laughs> Okay, so um, you know it, it, the the options. It's got it's going to be so fun for Steve Kerr because he's just he has limitless options now. The one thing that he didn't ha- have at his disposal before was a guy that you could give the ball in the low post and could just go to work on guys. He has that now, and that same guy can also shoot threes. So they anything he wants to do, he can do, and. The the other benefit of that is that because they have so many options and because they don't need to rely super heavily on DeMarcus, they Steve can cater his offense to showcase his strengths and camouflage and hide his weaknesses. And that's going to be key. You know, he's not going to have to do things that he's not comfortable with, and that will also make him happier. You know, um, so that it's just such an embarrassment of riches. I'm curious to see what role he plays defensively, because that's obviously his his weak point. I think he has the ability to be a good defender. It's just when you're shouldering such a load offensively, um, it's hard to give that other side of the floor the proper attention. And so, I'm curious to see how he if he's able to make significant strides on that side of the floor now that he's not going to be shouldering as big of an offensive load. Um, I'm curious to see if he can pick up the Warriors' switch-heavy defensive system pretty quickly because it's different than anything else he's done before. And I'm also curious to see if the if the Warriors decide that they need to, you know, hide his defensive shortcomings late in games. If he's kind of sitting situationally late in games because they want a better defender, and how does he handle that as a guy who's probably never been benched at any point in his career? Um, Those are a few things that I think are going to be interesting. But the reality is if he can just play a role defensively and take some of the work off of Durant and Green in the regular season in that low post, and then if you look at it, in the playoffs, he actually matches up pretty well with a couple of the guys that are there, they probably are going to see in the finals. Al Horford from Boston and Joel Embiid from Philly. I actually think he matches up well defensively against them, and I think that'll be a really nice asset that they didn't have come you know a potential finals matchup. I was going to say, you know, it, it's it, 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 he's coming into an era in which there aren't a lot of really high scoring centers. You know, uh, it's that the it's all teams are teams are destroying the opposition from the outside now, and we saw that with Houston. You know, Capella does his thing, but I don't think Capella poses a huge threat to Demarcus Cousins in terms of his offense. And like you say, you know, guys like Embiid, you know, he 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 can he can score, but he's very raw. And then Cousins, I don't think he'll have a big problem. I think it, just to just to kind of clog up the paint. You know, he's not going to have to be. Uh, super agile, trying to guard a you know a Kareem or somebody who's a just a devastating low post scorer because they don't really exist. You know he's one of the few, so I think that'll help him. He won't be asked to uh, 
you know, to guard another center like him because there really aren't many. Yeah, and, you know, this was obviously the biggest news from free agency, but free agency is not over. You know, the Warriors have 13 uh, guys on the books now for next season. I've been told that they want to go into training camp with 14 because they want to have that 15th spot flexible for various reasons um and and i think that's probably probably makes sense um so the the big question is does patrick mccaw come back he uh you know he has a qualifying offer as far as i know he has not gotten a better offer that the warriors have had to match um it's looking likely that he'll come back next season um and if he does i I think he'll fill that 14th spot if he doesn't you know, it's anyone's guess who ends up taking that 14th spot. David West still still has made no formal announcement about whether or not he's going to retire. I would be shocked at this point if he returned. Um, he has said publicly that he his two options, his personally his two options were come back to the Warriors or retire. It doesn't look like he's coming back to the Warriors, so I would think he retires. Um, and he's been coaching AAU this summer, and it looks like he's kind of just transitioning into re- retirement. So um, that's definitely something to watch. It, it, one one thing that kind of got some buzz this morning was DeMarcus Cousins is wearing number zero, which McCaw wears number zero, and everyone's like, oh, does that mean that McCaw's not playing anymore? Yeah. Well, no, but before, before he even signed, Cousins went and talked to McCaw and said, hey, can I wear your number? And they made some deal, um, and Cousins joked today that um, – that McCaw's a good negotiator. So, and then people, and then when I tweeted that, people were tweeting at me, oh, so that means he's coming back. It doesn't mean anything. Right. It's just when you have a guy who's a restricted free agent, you he still it's still technically his number, so you need to have a conversation with him. Yeah. That's all it means. It's like Marcus Smart. Oh, my God, the Celtics aren't in touch with me. Oh, well, what's going to happen? Where is he going to go? Well, he went back to the Celtics, all right, on a nice deal. So uh, I, I would like to see McCaw stay with the Warriors. I really like him. He's super athletic. He's good on defense. Uh, he's, had, he's been a bit shaken uh, by the bad injury, and I think uh, he didn't come back shooting as well as he had in his rookie year. But I don't know. I, I think the guy's got some stones. I think he's, he's, a, he's an NBA player. I think he would fit well there. Maybe as a, you know, an off-the-bench shooter, you know, a guy who can drill the three. I'm not sure. I don't know where they, where they get that, actually, uh, if they even are going to need it. But, huh? Well, Jonas from three, they say he can shoot from out there. That's true. Um, <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty much in flux right now. And people around the league are going, yeah, right, what are the Warriors going to do with their 13th guy? Wow, that must be a, t- that's a tough one, you know. But it does mean something around here. And, you know, there were times last year when, uh, you know, they realized that Nick Young and Caspi were not what they were looking for, you know, and they'd like to really jack that up a little bit, so – We'll see. I think I think you know David West. You know I, he's playing it smart. I think he's waiting to get a little deeper into the summer to see if he gets that itch to play again because it's it's sort of like football. You don't think about it, uh, you know, and all of a sudden it comes around. You feel it in the air, and it, it just uh, uh, you know it gets a hold of you. So, uh, but I do agree with you. I think he's probably on his way to retirement, and and so they'll have that spot. But um, you know, I uh, I really have no idea. As I look at the free agent market, you know what they're thinking. I mean. Heck, when they signed DeMarcus Cousins, who can predict anything? Yeah, no, it's going to be fun. Ain't no, nothing is ever dull. I mean, as a, as I say all the time as the beat writer, all you root for is good stories. And 
this there's going to be plenty of good stories next season. This past season didn't feel like there was quite as many as the previous season, um, but I feel like that's going to change this season. There's We're not going to have to write about complacency over and over and over. We're going to be able to write about Cousins and how he's coming back from his injury and how he fits into everything, and that's what I'm excited about. So, Bruce, I appreciate you joining me at the presser today. I appreciate you joining me on the pod. It's been a long day. Um, hopefully we'll have you on here again. Always a pleasure to work with the hardest man and hardest working man in show business. Used to be James Brown. Well, now it's Connor Latorno. <laughs> Take about an eight month vacation. Wait, it's almost season's almost here. <laughs>